be able to uh, be here and to teach on a deeper dive. So we have a lot to cover, a lot to cover, but what we're going to do, just to kind of give you a heads up, we're answering two questions. The first question is, why do I read God's Word? Why do I read God's Word? And the second question that we're going to be answering is, how do I read God's Word? So the first question is, why do I read God's Word? The second question is, how do I read God's Word? And I want us to take time to know and to understand and answer those two questions. So the why do I read God's Word is going to be a little bit more focused on the convictions, okay? It's going to be more focused on the convictions aspects. And then the how do I read God's Word is going to be a little bit more practical, more some tangible things that you're going to have and be able to take away. Um, and I hope that would be an encouragement to you. But before we do that, I want us to pray and ask God to be in this room. So let's pray. God, we thank you that you are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that, Lord, that the Holy Spirit dwells with us. And that we are able to understand truth through the illumination of God's Word and the Spirit power. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would be in this room. Father, give me the words to say. Give me wisdom. And students, if you would, just pray in your heart Samuel's prayer as a boy. Here I am, am, Lord. Your servant is listening. So if you would right now, just pray. And now, Father, we come before you, Lord, and we ask that you would be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to answer the first question, why do I read God's Word? And the first point is, we read God's Word to know and pursue a relationship with Him. We read God's Word to know and pursue a relationship with Him. It says, all Scripture is inspired by God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all Scripture is inspired by God. By God. And what that means is the Bible is the very words of God. The scriptures are the very words of God. And you see, I want us to kind of back up a little bit and just talk about our culture and the things that we do. We love social media platforms. Who many of you have a social media platform? Like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I have one. No shame. I'm not shaming you. But we, what we do on that Facebook or, or Instagram, whatever social media platform that you have, you go on to that uh, platform and you go and find somebody like Dwayne Johnson or uh, John Cena or Kim Kardashian or whomever, and you click follow. And whenever you click follow, what happens? You go and see all their information and what they're doing all over the world, either in, in the States or, or in China, if they're in China, recording a, a movie or whatever. And we follow their lives in an indirect way. We follow their lives in an indirect way. And you see, I want you to know something, that you have the Lord that has pursued you, and if you are a Christian in this room, 
He's established a direct relationship with you. He's established a direct relationship with you. You see, in our gospel, what we proclaim and what our message is, it's so good that it talks about that because we are sinners, Christ died for us. It's the great exchange. So the, the wickedness and the sin that you and I have in our hearts in that sinful nature, he, what he does, he takes that sinful nature and he puts that upon himself. It says to him, he made him who knew no sin. Jesus was sinless. We already talked about that. And he became sin on our behalf so that we, as Christians, as believers in Christ, might be in his righteousness. So what happens when he took that sin and then said, you know what, I'm not just going to leave them in a state where they're not without sin. I'm going to put them the righteousness of myself on them. So whenever the father looks, he's able to see that the righteousness of God is on them. So that's why we're able to be with our God because he is holy. And so we were just saying in there that the veil was torn. So Jesus and his, the way that he's established it in a direct relationship, what he did here, I'm sitting here at this seat, Jesus comes down and he grabs my hand. Whenever I cried out, cried out at two years old, Lord, I need you. I need to be saved. And he grabs my hand and he says, come. And I walk with him into the Holy of Holies. And I get to be established. My relationship with the Lord gets to be established in the Holy of the Holies, the innermost of God. God established a relationship with us through the death, burial, and resurrection, and our message proclaims that. And we get to have a direct relationship with our God. And the Word of God helps us grow that relationship with Him. So the Word of God is like a window. So what, the, so what it does, you look outside the window, and then past the window, you see creation. You see um, things outside playing, kids playing, whatever, wherever you're at. Either you're at home or you're at, in the court. You're looking outside that window, and then you see life. You see reality. What the Scriptures do, what the, what the scriptures do they, they take you, you look through that window, that portal, and then you see God and His goodness and His mercy and His love and His holiness, and He is displayed on high. And the Scriptures show you this glory whenever you look through that window, through God's Word, and you see Him for who He is. That's what the Scriptures do. It's that the voice of God, whenever you open up the Bible, the Bible that you have in your hands, and you start reading it, you start, like for me, it's this puny voice. Um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I'll start reading that. But did you know that's God's voice? No, it's not going to be like this thunder and earthquake happens and everything goes crazy. It's not going to be that experience. But that's very much God's voice. But we as Christians... We've lost that. We've lost that. All. The, the God of the Bible has given us the scriptures, this word, to do one thing, to develop a relationship with Him. To grow a relationship with Him. To grow an understanding of who our God is. It is truly a true gift. 
You see that our God is the creator of time in this Bible. You also see that he is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is the one that separates the sea from the land. You begin to read and he is the one that sends the lightning bolts across the sky. He is the one that is the author and the perfecter of our faith. You continue to see that he is holy and righteous. You see that our God is continuously involved in relationships, so much so that he sent himself in a form of a man, and that man is who? Jesus. That's exactly right. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And he came in a form of a in a form of a man in our flesh. And he came and he was he he died on a cross. He was buried and he rose from the grave because one thing, and that one thing is that you would have a relationship with him. Would we all agree that our God has went to great lengths to establish a relationship? Would we agree? I mean, he crucified, he was crucified. He loved you. And down, and whenever he was hanging on that cross, down, he was looking down the pillars of time. He was saying, Kenzie, you are mine. And I'm dying for you because I want this relationship. And so whenever I cried out at 18 years old and I said, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. He said, I died for you already. The work has already been done. Let's establish this relationship. And I want to continue to pursue you and grow in uh, I want you to continue to grow in my grace and you to grow more who I am. And so the first point is, God has established a relationship and we continue and we keep that and maintain that relationship through reading his word. And we communicate to him through prayer. So we talk to him through prayer and he talks to us through his word. Second point is, we read God's word to delight in it. I want to ask you a question. Do you delight in God's word? Do you delight in God's word? I know we have a bunch of theologians in here. So what is, and you can answer this. You don't have to raise your hand. Just, just say it. What is the longest chapter in the Bible? You said Psalms what? You said Psalms. I think you almost had it. Psalms 119. That's right. How many verses are in Psalms 119? How long is it? It's a lot. Yeah, it is. It is. It's 176 verses. 176 verses. That whole psalm is about the Word of God. It is the longest chapter that we have in the scriptures. And it talks about the word of God. And you know the common theme that is throughout this, throughout this chapter. And the common theme is this, delight, 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 delight in my word, he says. Delight in the law that I have put in the scriptures. Delight in it. Is the word of God like a cool summer breeze to your soul? Do you love it? Do you delight in it? 
What I mean by delight, it's the word of this, having a feeling. Having a feeling. You actually have a feeling in you. An attitude. An attitude of taking pleasure in and having an affection for an object. So you're literally having an affection for who God is and His Word. Because again, we look through this window and we see the awe and the glory and the goodness and the love of our God and we're like, whoa! I'm delighting in that. Like, I'm going to delight in that. That stirs my affection for the Lord. That stirs my affection that, that He loves me so much that He sent His Son. Or maybe that whenever you, you are down on yourself and you're completely discouraged and your heart is what part of your John says is condemning you. That all these thoughts that you have in your mind and you're saying, I'm not good enough, I don't measure up, and I'm not who he is or who she is, and your heart starts condemning you. And then John writes and says, whenever your heart's condemning you, know that your God is bigger than your heart. Like that truth, does that not make you want to delight in who God is? That truth just stirs your affections for the Lord. Because our God's bigger than our heart. Our God is bigger than our heart. And so we start delighting in God's word. And so I want you to delight in God's word. If you would, write down, this is homework, okay? I want you to write down Psalms 119. And I want you to pray Psalms 119. And I want you to read it multiple times. I want you to read it multiple times. I just don't want you to read it one time and then put it down. I want you to read and read and read and read it. That's what I want you to do. And then I want you to pray. And I want you to ask the question or highlight the word delight. I want you to do that this week. Okay? That's a challenge. The third point I have is we read God's Word to be equipped for the work of ministry. We read God's Word to be equipped for the work of the ministry. It says this in 2 Timothy 3.16, verse 17. We just kind of already quoted with that phrase, all scriptures inspired. It's God-breathed. It says this, all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that, so that's a clause, that's the purpose clause. The reason why we read God's Word is so that the man of God will be adequate and equipped for every good work. So the third point is we read God's Word to be equipped for the work of the ministry. Scripture is given to us to teach, to rebuke, to correct ourselves and train ourselves and others, like what we're, doing, what we're doing now, for righteousness. So, whenever you have an individual that comes up to you, and again, I'm, I'm assuming that everybody in here are Christians that believe in the death and resurrection of Christ, that have repented and believed in, their, in, 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 in Christ and the cross. So, this is what I'm assuming. So, by that, the word says you are children of light. That by that, you are children.
of God's goodness. So whenever individuals come up to you and say, hey, at school or wherever, in the public place, and say, why do you read God's word? Why do you believe what you believe? Do you have an answer to that? If somebody asks, you talk about this gospel all the time. What is that gospel? Will you be able to take them through scripture what our gospel is? Or it might be something as challenging as this, that you might be in the public place, and or your best friend or your friend that's on the basketball team or on whatever you're doing um, outside of school, and they come up to you and say, hey, I'm Muslim. Why do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Or why do you believe that Jesus is God? Because I don't believe that. I believe that he's just a prophet. So what are you going to say to that individual? So you have the word of God to be equipped for the work of the ministry. You read God's word so that you can answer those questions. You see, the Word of God is not just only for you and for you, be, for you to be able to continue to grow a relationship and continue to provide it, but the Word of God is not just for you, but for others. We are children of light, and we go and expose the darkness. We go and share the gospel. We go and tell about what we've been reading in God's Word. We're, we are that people. We do that. So God has given us a word, not to abandon us, but he's given us a word to show us that he loves us, that he cares for us, and he has the answers in the scriptures about eternal things and spiritual things. Do we realize that we, we are made in God's image, so we are spiritual people. Just like you're physical, you are spiritual. You are natural worshipers. We are all worshipers. Unbelievers are worshipers. They worship something. They're always worshipers. An atheist, a person that doesn't believe in a God at all, worships something. Because we're made in his image. And so they long to worship the right thing. And it's not until they understand and they get the truth that they worship rightly. And that void that they have in their heart is filled. And that is through the word of God. It's the truth. And y'all have the truth. And that we go and share that to others. The word of God equips us for the work of the ministry. It equips us for the work of the ministry. Fourth point. We read God's word to be transformed. We read God's word to be transformed. What is in your mind whenever you approach God's Word? What I mean by that is, every time that you sit down and read God's Word, what is it that's motivating you to do that? What is it that is motivating you to do that? So before we talk about the transformation, I want us to uproot these wrong motives that you have in your heart. It's like the undercurrent that you don't really recognize or what you really see, and you really don't want to express it to anybody because you're a good Christian, but you have these motives that are wrong motives. 
So I want to ask a question to help expose those motives. The first question is, are you driven by guilt? Are you driven by guilt? Many people are motivated by this. They say that I have to read X amount of chapters to have a good, quiet time. I have to be alone with God for X amount of hours or minutes to have a good, quiet time. So I have to sit here and be with God because if I don't, or if I don't read these chapters, that I'm going to be struck down by lightning and I'm going to be known as a bad Christian. And you're motivated by guilt. And you completely forget about the, the lighting in the Lord that we just talked about. You completely forget that God's word is so that you can understand our God in a greater way and the relationship continues to flourish. And you forget that you're supposed to be delighting in Him and for who He is as Lord. And what comes, you just become a legalist. You just become a legalist. A Pharisee. And we don't want that. But if you're always driven by guilt to go to God's Word, then you become the legalist. You become the legalist. Second question. Are you driven by status? Are you driven by status? Do you study God's Word so that you can be the man or the woman that is the go-to person? Do you read God's Word so that you can be filled with all this knowledge so whenever somebody comes up to you and says, hey, what does it be again? And you see, there's something, if there's you want to build this reputation to be that the guy that knows, and again, that's a good thing. That's that's a good thing. We just talked about we, we're equipped for the work of the ministry so that we can have an answer to those things. But if you're just going up to God's Word and you're studying God's Word to be somebody that knows it and you're just motivated by status, then you've missed it. You've missed it. It's a sense of pride that you have. Who in here has memorized the first five books of the Bible? Morgan, flip all you know five books of the Bible? I don't either. I don't either. I haven't memorized the first five books of the Bible. But you see, back 2,000 years ago, and still to this day, the Jews memorized the first five books of the Bible. The Jews memorized the first five books of the Bible. That's impressive, right? It's like, hey, Sit down here and start in Genesis and then end with the fifth book. Deuteronomy. That's right. Deuteronomy. And so they just sit there and they just start quoting Genesis 1 1 and all the way to the end of Deuteronomy. They would be here for hours doing it. That would be amazing. And we get over here, whenever pastor preaches and he quotes a chapter, we're like, whoa, that's impressive. And that serves our faith no Lord God is one of you. Praise the Lord. But how about if somebody in here sits down in Genesis 1 1 and then memorizes it all the way to Deuteronomy? That's impressive. But you see, you can do that. But if you're driven by status, you've missed it. If you're motivated by status, you've missed it. Because this is what happened. The Pharisees, 
These were the teachers of those individuals that memorized the five books of the Bible. They were the PhDs. These guys were brilliant. And everybody looked at them to know God's word. And those individuals said, Jesus, the Son of God, blasphemed, and I'm going to put them on the cross, put him on the cross. And you see, they were always, they were always during their whole time in Jesus' ministry trying to figure out how to kill Jesus. Because you know why? The people were following them and they weren't, the people were following Jesus and not them. So they were always driven by status. They were always driven by status. And they knew the word of God in a way that they memorized the first five books of the Bible. They were the teachers. And those individuals said, Jesus, you are not God. I'm going to put you on the cross because that's a blasphemy statement. Blasphemy. And they put him on the cross. And that's how he died because the Pharisees were driven by status. So don't be driven by status. Those are wrong motives. Hebrews 4.12 says this, The word of God is live, living and active, sharper than two-edged sword, piercing to the division and soul of the spirit, and joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The Bible isn't merely an object that we study and pull information from, but actually... The Bible, we don't just don't, we don't read the Bible, the Bible reads us. The Bible reads us. That's what it just says. It says here, this is not my words, it's God's words. It says, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The Bible reads us. So whenever we have these wrong motiv motivations, it's able to point that out. Whenever we read Psalms 119 and you do your homework and you're sitting here praying over God's word and you, your heart just begins to say, I'm not delighting in this. I'm not delighting in who God is. Why? Because I'm not mimicking this psalmist here the way that he wrote this psalm. My heart's not like that. And so you have this conviction and then you repent and say, Father, please forgive me. I want to delight in God's Word. I want to delight in God's Word. And so that, that affection continues to be stirred. And He starts transforming your mind. He starts transforming your mind. And we're going to talk a little bit about that at, whenever we get to the how to do it. But I want you to know that the Bible transforms our mind and it reads us. It reads us. So, we read God's word to know and pursue a relationship with him. We read God's word to delight in it. We read God's word to be equipped for the ministry. And we read God's word to be transformed. So, that's the why. That's why we read God's word. Now we're going to be shifting to how do we read God's word. How do we read God's word? Step one. Have a plan. Have a plan. This is so important for the Christian. I've been in life groups. I've been in D groups. Within this age group, from 6th grade, all, actually 5th grade, all the way to 12th grade, for the past 4 to 5 years. And people come up to me that are your age and say, Hey, how do I read God's Word in a deeper way? How do I start 
cultivating and growing in my relationship with the Lord, and the first question I ask him, I say, do you have a plan? And 80 to 85% of those individuals do not have a plan. And so what we have done, we have given you three plans. You're walking away with three plans. And I wanted that, I wanted to give you that, so that you don't have any excuse by tomorrow morning or tonight, if you read God's Word at night, that you have a plan and you start that plan. So first, I want you to have a plan. It is so important to have a plan so that you're able to go through. And it's so easy to, because you always ask questions every morning. Where do I start if I don't have a plan? Where do I start? So I just open up the Word and I go, here's John. And then I go and talk about, this, talk about uh, in Revelation with John again. And then I go to Genesis and talk to Moses here. And I just go back and forth. I don't have a consistent study. And it's just, you just read it. But I want you to read God's word in such a way that you sit down and you look at that plan and you say, okay, Genesis 21 today. I'm going to go read Genesis 21 today. And you read that. And God uses plans. He uses plans all the time. It's really, it's actually very encouraging because you you can say to your friend, like for instance, Morgan and I, y'all heard a little bit about it, but Morgan and I are going to chat Africa. We're going to be missionaries there in Chad Africa. And through reading our Bible, reading the plan that God has put, and that plan that we had, God showed that and revealed that to us by his word. But we had that plan that we walked through it. So have a plan. So important. So important. Implement that right now. Second step. Have a student's heart for God's word. Have a student's heart for God's word. In order to be a student in God's word, you must answer these three questions. First question. Do you feast on God's word? Do you feast on God's word? I know that, again, I know I'm sitting among theologians and it's real honest. So, in Matthew 4, Jesus was in the wilderness before he started his ministry. Who was there with Jesus in the temptation? Come on, man. I see you. You got it. No? Okay. Who, 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 who was there with Jesus? Yeah. Exactly right. How many times did you say it? Yeah. That's right. Three times. Three times. And you see, the, the third time, or the sixth time, I'm sorry, we all know that Jesus was praying and fasting, and he was there for 40 days without food. And Satan comes to him and says, Jesus, I know you're hungry. I know you're hungry. I know you're hungry. I know who you are. You're God. Put a stone. Put it in the ground. Jesus, in my holy imagination, I just see Jesus in his face. And he had a smile on his smug face. He said, Satan. And he says this. You read it. He quotes Deuteronomy. He says, I do not live on bread alone, but on every word from the mouth of myself. 
I do not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Do you feed on God's word in such a way that you read and you love every word? It says in Revelation, whenever we're talking about prophecy and the things to come, the second coming, he says if there's everything, every eye owner is not complete, then let it be accursed. He is saying that everything will be finished, but God is so in the details, so in the words, he says, I own it. Small point, a bullet point, a period. Even in those things, he did them. And God said, feast on my word. Feast on my word. Delight in my word. He wants you to feast on it so that you can be transformed by it. Become a student. Become a student of the Word of God. Sit at the Word of God and just feast on it. Be encouraged by it. Delight in it. Show that you really think that you believe that the Bible is true. Really believe in it. I want to encourage you in that and feast on every word. Read from Genesis all the way through Revelation. And people say, Please, I don't want to read Leviticus. I don't want to read that book. It's the law. It's about all these civil laws that happened there in Israel at the time. I don't want to read that. Jesus says live off of it. Not just read it, but live it. It's your life. And really, for you to better understand Hebrews, the New Testament, you must, if you want to know a commentary of Leviticus, just read Hebrews. It is a commentary of, he, uh, of Leviticus. So for you to understand the New Testament, you first must understand the Old Testament. So in all of what we have, the 66 books of our Bible, you have to read it all in its entirety. You have to. Because we live on, not on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of our God. Not on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of our God. Do you meditate on God's Word? Do you meditate on God's Word? Psalms 1, again, in Psalms, the beginning, man, this is so good. The psalmist is writing, and he says this, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sit, seat, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight... But his delight, this is not even Psalms 119. This is Psalms 1, the first chapter in Psalms. It says, but in his delight is the law of the Lord. And his law meditates day and night. Do you meditate on God's word? And we don't believe like Buddhists and Hindus, whenever they're sitting there going, I'm not saying and what Buddhists and Hindus say that that is oneself. They're doing that to empty your mind, to put all the stress and anxiety off. My meditation, what God's saying meditate on it, is a different thing. This meditation is that we're putting things in our mind. We're putting things in our mind. We're putting the Word of God in our mind. And meditate on it. Who in here loves to hike? Yeah. Who in here has 
went on a hike or down a trail that had a huge waterfall. Yeah? So on that trail, I have to, it's, it was gorgeous. I was there in uh, Spokane, Washington, and it was a beautiful hike. And I, I remember hearing the waterfall. I remember hearing the waterfall. I remember walking onto that trail and smelling the spring, the water. And I hear this gush of water coming off of the cliff and hitting those rocks so hard or hitting the water and it's flowing down the stream. And I'm hearing it. And it's beautiful. And you see, I'm not able to see it. I'm not able to see it. But I hear it. Feel it. In the same way, that word meditate is like an idea. The picture is, is that it's always in the back of your mind and you're meditating on it day and night. It is like that waterfall that you can't see. You can't see our God. He's, in, he's invisible in the spiritual things. It's invisible. You can't see it, but you feel him. And you know his word because it's just always meditating on the back of your head. It's beautiful. And you meditate on this thing. Because this is so important. And if y'all understand this, it will transform your life. I can say that by authority of God's word. In Romans 12, 2, it says, renew your what? Mind. And whenever you renew your mind, what happens? Somebody... This is so important. Romans 12, verse 2. Somebody read it for me. Anybody can read it for me. That's right. Amen. But it says, if you put the word of God in you, and if you meditate on God's word, it transforms you. It, transform, it transforms you. You are transformed by meditating on God's word. And you start becoming more like Christ because you are listening to the voice of God and not to the voice of this world. You're meditating. You're delighting in it. You love his voice. For he is our good shepherd. And we shall not want. And that is always something that is keeping you in the back of your head. And I want you to know something that it should be something that just soothes the soul. I, I don't want you, like, whenever you're reading 1 John, for instance, um, it should soothe us, though, because it talks about what So whenever you are sitting there and you thought, whenever you're sitting there and at night and you put down the phone and you just can't sleep and you're thinking about all the anxiety, you're thinking about all the things and the ways that you don't measure up from him or her or whatever, and you cannot go to sleep because you're just listening to all these voices in your head. He says, whenever your heart condemns you, know that your God's bigger. 
that truth should soothe your soul. That truth should be something that you meditate on day and night. Because whenever those thoughts come, you're like, no, I don't believe that because I know the truth. I hear the voice of God. I'm meditating on it. And I believe Him, not these voices. And if you do that, it will transform you. If you do that, it will transform you. Just like Jesus said to Satan, He said, come on, eat the, eat the bread. Eat the bread. Because I don't live by bread alone, but in every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Ignore the voices that are from, from the enemy. Ignore the flesh that you have as a sinful person. And ignore the voices of the world and just focus on one voice and that voice is God's voice and you have to put it in you so that you can meditate on it. It will forever transform you. It will transform you. Question three. Do you ask good questions while during your time in reading God's word? Do you ask good questions during your time in reading God's word. This is so important. You have to learn how to ask good questions to the text. So for instance, you're sitting here reading Genesis 1, verse 27, let us make man in our own image. And then you see in Genesis 2, the creation of man comes out of me. But if you see that there's nothing before um, that time whenever Whenever God said that, we, we realize that, we understand that, because it's not until Genesis 2 that we see that man and woman were created. But it says in Genesis 1.27, it says, let us, meaning plural, but nothing else was created, yet God says the only one that really exists. So what is that us? What is that us? And you ask that question to the and what happens whenever you ask, ask that question? Who in here has the answer to that question? What is that us? Whose image are we in? God. And whenever it says plural, it says that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's three persons, one God. Let us make man in our own image. He's saying, let us be made in the image of God, and that us is God. Or you might be reading in Samuel, 2 Samuel, chapter 6, Uzziah, and his story. He sits there, and uh, they just got the Ark of the Covenant back from the Philistines. And if, you read, if you've read beforehand, if you've touched the Ark of the Covenant, if you were not a, uh, a priest, then you would die. You would die. And so they're walking, they just got, they just got the uh, Ark of the Covenant from the Philistines, and they are dancing, it's a parade, David is singing, it's a big deal. And the ox that's carrying and helping carrying the Ark of the Covenant, he hits a, uh, a mud hole, and it goes like this, and the Ark of the Covenant slides off. And so Uzziah comes alongside, and he puts himself like this, and he holds it, and he touches the Ark of the Covenant. And as soon as he did that, he died. As soon as he did that, he died. And you're, you just read that, and you're like, what in the world was that? Uzziah was doing a good thing. He didn't want the Ark of the Covenant to fall off the trailer. 
and you start asking these questions, and those are the hardest of the hardest passages. But still, ask hard questions. I want to encourage you: ask the hard questions. The Word of God is able to answer them. The Word of God can answer those questions that you have. You just got to read it, and you start seeing that God said, "Don't touch it." Whenever He says, "Don't do something," then you disobey Him. And it's because he's a holy and righteous and just God, he does that. Because he's holy, righteous, and just. And so much so, and you're like, this doesn't make any sense. This is not fair. David was angry with God because of what he did. So I just want you to know it's okay to ask the hard questions because it's okay. Ask them. Because if you don't, a lost person will, he'll come up to you and say, why do you believe in, in a sacrificial system? And you're like, no, we don't believe in the sacrificial system. No, you do believe because the Old Testament teaches all the way through. And then you believe in human sacrifice. Because your God came and killed himself. He formed a man. He was sacrificed. Why would our God believe in that? That's cruel. So you ask those questions, and, and you see their interpretation is wrong. But in the end, you have the truth. And you say the reason why he came. And the reason why is that we believe in that human sacrifice because our God came and absorbed his wrath so that we didn't have to. So that he died, he was the Lamb of God, he was the one that atoned for our sin, he was the one that gave us his righteousness, and the sin was on him. That wasn't just a human sacrifice, that was our God coming and dying for us. So that we can have eternal life, because that was the only way. Because Jesus is there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, my Lord, my God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Let your wrath pass from it. And there is communication between him and the Father, the Son and the Father, and he says, there's no other way. It has to be. And the Lord Jesus voluntarily says, I submit to you, my Father, because I love you, and I want these people to be and dwell with this innermost delight and love that we have for one another. I want them to experience the same love that we have. Like that, from that interpretation of the lost person saying, why in the world would you do that? And then you're over here saying, man, that is an incomprehensible image of love. See what happens? Because if you don't ask the hard questions, the lost person will. And you, as a Christian, as a child of God, and being the children of light and exposing the darkness, you have to have those answers. So you're equipped for the work of ministry. So ask good questions. Be encouraged by that. Ask the good questions. Third step. Third point, have a journal slash method to record what you're learning in God's Word. Have a journal slash method to record what you're learning in God's Word. You know, it's a true encouragement. I love it. It is just so... And I don't... Um, even in my own quiet time, I don't necessarily use a journal um, in, in everyday life. I usually use a journal to write things down and prayer points and different guys where God answers prayers or however you want to do it. Because what I'm trying to help you guys pursue is a delightness, a delighting heart towards God and that you want to love God. I don't I'm not giving you mechanics and saying that you have to do this to be a good Christian. I don't just fall in love with the Lord and fall in love with his word. And a tool to do that is having a journal or a method. And so whenever I'm sitting there opening up God's word have that journal, uh, and I start writing things down, or I even have my Bible, and I just start writing things down in that Bible, 
and you sit there and you just ask the hard questions. And through my time reading God's word, I'm praying while I'm reading. And you can write those things down. You can jot those things down. And it might be when you have a, a document, it's called the Hearing Method, Highlight, Explain, Apply, Respond. And that will help you if you just don't know how to do that and you need some mechanics, which that's okay, but just figure it, just understand within your motive, have a delight in, in the Lord that you'd come and say, okay, this passage here, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 16, I'm going to do the here method. I'm going to read this passage that I'm going to do. Okay, what is the verse that highlights? Uh, it, it brings something out, that the Holy Spirit brings something out and illuminates to me. I'm going to write that verse down. I'm going to then explain the passage. I'm going to summarize the passage. I'm going to read the passage, and then I'm going to write it and summarize the passage. And then I'm going to apply the passage to my life. And then I'm going to respond to it through prayer. And that is the hear method. And I, before you walk out the door, or whenever you walk out the door tomorrow morning, uh, you'll have three videos that will be sent to your email that I have done personally um, to have three different methods and to show you three different methods so that you can have that into your toolbox and be where you're able to bring those out. Um, so... That is, that is the deeper dive. Um, do y'all have any questions to what, what, what we just talked about? Any questions concerning God's word? Um, any questions concerning about what you read? Uh, or anything that what I've talked about, you want me to talk a little bit more about? We have a few more minutes. Um, seven minutes. Thank you. Thank you, James. Um, talk to me. So, what are some of the questions? Don't be intimidated. We're just we're here together. We're we're trying to learn from one another. And if you have a question, know that that pro probably the other people have that same question. You're just going to be the leader to do it. Anybody have any questions? I did that well. No. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Anybody have any questions? What we want? Or anything that I can serve? Um, something real quick. I have um, these three resources. Last year, the one-year Bible plan. This is something that our uh, church emphasized on. This is a great tool. This is a great tool. You can find this in our bookstore. Um, if, if you want a Bible, this will help you. It has a, a reading plan already in it. Um, and you can find this in the bookstore. If you don't want to do this one-year Bible plan, it has what this is how this is set up. It has an Old Testament passage, a New Testament passage, a Psalm, and a Proverb. All in one day. It's a lot of reading. Um, and then you have the Chronological Bible. Donna Gaines, Pastor's Wife, loves this book. Um, and I would recommend it. As long as you're reading God's Word, I'm, I'm for you. I'm with you. Um, the Chronological Bible, you can find this in the bookstore as well. Um, this is not necessarily Scripture, but it helps you understand the Bible. It helps you understand the Bible. It's understanding the Bible in 30 days. And again, you can find this in the bookstore here at Bellevue. It is 
awesome. It is a great book. Um, it talks about the Old Testament, the New Testament, uh, parables, gospels, proverbs, and how we're supposed to read it. And so we have all these different narratives and all these different writings like the law, the prophets, um, uh, the, the, the Torah, and then you have the gospel, you have the epistles, you have uh, um, revelation and all that good stuff. And there are all of these different types of writings and you have to learn how to read those passages. And this will help you. This will help you. Ask the good question. So if you're interested in any of these three books, um, feel free to come up here and take a picture of it and uh, ask your mom and dad to uh, see if you can get the sword, three swords. Um, but before we break, that is not mine. Um, this is going to be somebody's. Um, who in here has a birthday in March? Okay. What day? The 10th? 14th? 23rd? 14th? Who would? Somebody said the 10th, right? Awesome. Birthday present, bro. So March 10th. Happy early birthday. That's yours. And again, how to understand the Bible in 30, 30 days is an awesome tool. Um, and if you don't want to talk about it, you know, ask, you have questions, but you don't want to talk um, in a big group. I understand that. I get that. You can come up and talk to me afterwards. Um, but again, thank you all so much for coming from this break. And I hope this was an encouragement. I hope that this was uh, something that is beneficial for you in your Christian uh, life. And guys, thank you so much for com coming to Catalyst. I, I really want to continue to commend you uh, to continue to walk with the Lord. I know it's hard and I know it's difficult, but continue to be faithful. Continue to be faithful to the Lord. And I just want to encourage you in that.